Hey guys, um, IG Live. This is the next edition of Pit Stop. It's uh, one o'clock on Tuesday. I got back really late last night um, from New York City. First of all, just wanted to jump on and um, yeah, record another one of these episodes. That's sort of kind of one of these in-between episodes of my podcast, catch you up on brand stuff and everything else that's been going on here with, uh, with uh, Standard H, obviously. Um, so basically, okay, so starting with the wrist check, I've been wearing my grandfather's date just for the better part of a week. And so today, this morning I had it on, but then I got home after running errands and really wanted to switch it up, go with something a little more summery, got the Mark 18 silver dial on bracelet and um, loving it. Yeah. And really anticipating trying on this new Ingenor, Ingenor, tomato, tomato <laughs> um, from IWC here in the next couple of weeks. It's traveling around the, the U.S. Um, currently. Uh, missed it in New York and, uh, or excuse me, Beverly Hills. I think it's going to go to South Coast Plaza next. So hope to check it out then. And um, try it on, take some photos. So stay tuned for those. I think this episode of Pit Stop might even be a little bit longer than most because basically I've just had so much going on with Wind Up and my trip to New York City with uh, Rally Point East putting on a heck of a show. Um, but yeah, um, so that's the wrist check. Things I've been thinking about lately. Um, Went to Palm Springs. I don't know if you guys have probably seen those photos um, over the time uh, with regards to the Gulf Blue as well as additional photos I shot with my good buddy Mario with regards to the Willie's shirt jacket, um, which has been very well received. I absolutely love the piece. I wore it all weekend in New York. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The um, Yeah, it just... You know, Palm Springs makes for an incredible location. The lighting out there is just next level. Doesn't matter what time of day. Um, it's just always great. And so I love shooting photography out there. And um, be it just, you know, environmental stuff, you know, ar architecture, landscape, that kind of thing, or product. Uh, it just kind of, just kind of does it all. Um Speaking of inspiration, um, trips to LA, I, I've got, sorry, I've got a little, some, like a list of notes here to my left because I'm, there's no way I'm going to be able to remember everything that I want to talk about. So, um, trips to LA, most are to do with production, but also inspiration as well. Like part of the reason I love Los Angeles so much is that there is actually like stuff made there. Things happen there, not just movies, but apparel, movies, art. Um, the list goes on. Like it, the sense of aspiration of the people in LA is just like next level. Like everybody's always working on something or they're trying to just better themselves or get to a higher level of their career, things like that. So like, I think New York to me is very much like the work ethic aspect of our society. And, uh, I think LA is, is definitely like the dreamers of the world, me included. Um, 
perhaps I guess the best analogy from another nation might be like Sao Paulo, Brazil being very, very much like work centric, whereas like Rio's the place you go and party, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like that's sort of LA in a certain sense. Uh, but I love the architecture of LA. Uh, if you didn't hear two podcast episodes ago with Steven Pulverant, I mean, he's been spending a lot of time shooting architecture there. He's working on a, a new project with, uh, the Getty as well as the observatory, which I think is, is fascinating. Um, but yeah, I just think that the inspiration from LA, much like Palm Springs, uh, from a photography standpoint, is that LA just has the energy that like I really love and crave. And even to this day, honestly, like driving up the five freeway, coming into downtown LA or, you know, seeing the US bank building and or, you know, even the Hollywood sign, like I still kind of get chills every time I see the Hollywood sign because it always just felt like it wasn't real. Like it couldn't be real moving from North Carolina and just like seeing these letters up on a hillside was just kind of crazy. And it, it, it just feels like a movie set in that sense. It just almost feels fake, but it, but it, but it's, you know, it's obviously not. And so every time I see it, I just kind of get chills and that's kind of interesting. Um, but you know, I think, this also sort of leads me towards something else I've been into lately, which is Rick Rubin's book. And if you've heard about it, it's called The Creative Act, A Way of Being. And if you get the audio book, as far, this is all relating to inspiration, by the way. I know that was a weird sort of pivot. But um, the book that's, that's out right now from, from Rick Rubin is, is like, it's like reading a meditation. And if you have the audio book, it absolutely feels like a guided meditation. And it's really, really interesting. There's a passage on self-doubt. If you don't consider yourself an artist slash creator, then please read this, um, even to perhaps better understand those in your life who do consider themselves, you know, artists and creators. Like, I feel like I hate the expression. I feel so seen, you know, but like it is kind of one of those things where like if if you aren't the artist, but it helped me feel like, oh man, like this guy like totally gets it, you know, and there's a lot out there about Rick and how he may or may not actually do anything. Like there's there's a lot of people that think that he just like sits in the room, but he really does pull creativity out of people. And I think his broken record podcast is amazing if you haven't heard that. But anyway, I've been really, I, I just like sat through this book. I had the audio book because I do so much driving. But because I do so much driving and listen to it, and these ex excerpts were like hitting me like a ton of bricks. Um, I bought the physical copy too, just to keep on my coffee table because Honestly, like it's the kind of book, like I said, meditation wise, like there's such little short excerpts, like each chapter is only like three or four pages max, and very oftentimes fewer. And within those chapters, there's just these little nuggets. And so I got the physical copy just to mainly just pick up it intermittently and, and kind of breeze through and just kind of read it as a meditation throughout the day or, or at random. And I just thought that was like a, a fun idea 
coupled with the audio book that I listened to from start to finish on my way to wind up in San Francisco, which was awesome. I think the audio book in total is like five hours or something like that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that sort of leads me to wind up, which was now three weeks ago or so, I think, which is just a blur, like an absolute blur. I can't believe it's been that long, two, two and a half weeks. The time is just blowing by, obviously. The Willie shirt jacket uh, made its debut there that Friday. Um, it's just like a great piece that isn't lined. So like with regards to the Targa Florio jacket, the Targa Florio jacket's going to be a little bit heavier. Um, and I use that term very lightly uh, because the Targa Florio jacket is very much a lightweight jacket. But the Willie's shirt jacket is not lined, so it's definitely exactly what it sounds like. It is a shirt that wears like a jacket. So, but you, so in other words, you're gonna wear the same size. Like if your t-shirt is a medium, you're gonna want a medium in the Willie's shirt jacket because you can layer a little bit under it as well. So that that room will allow that, or that piece will allow that a bit of room, um, and. Honestly, wind up itself, I think I've almost become a broken record. Um, the community, the participation, the positivity, um, it's kind of uh, an event that I just, I love it. I love it. You know, the community's been awesome. Um, debuting products at these shows has been a lot of fun. I'm you know, obviously somewhat of a, a digitally native business. So as a result, I don't get the FaceTime that brands with a brick and mortar have. So this is my opportunity to like meet and greet and shake hands and kiss babies, and, you know, do the whole thing and get this FaceTime with all of you. And it's just, it means so much to me to like, not only uh, share these products with you guys, get your support. More importantly, I get feedback directly. I love this. I, you know, I wish you did that. Or is this coming in other colors? And I can directly ask you like, okay, well, what colors do you want? You know, that kind of thing. And it's been incredible. Like, um, understanding what people enjoy is, 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 is great. And having people obviously come up to my booth is just a complete ego stroke, but you know, I just love seeing you guys wearing the product and telling me why you like it. And, and all the rest of that stuff. I mean, that it's, it's just, it's a blast for me. I mean, it's exactly why I do it. I love what I'm doing and knowing that somebody else gives one shit about it is just amazing. Like I, I love it. Um, so one thing I asked a couple people in San Francisco was really revolving around this podcast and, um, and this kind of content, I guess. And I, I kind of wanted to get away from advertising in general, um, if I could, just because like when I'm listening to podcasts, like, I don't know, I just feel like it's annoying, but on the same note, it does behoove me to have some version of income for producing this kind of content. Cause it takes a ton of time and editing these episodes are insane. Like if, if I do an hour episode it could take anywhere from two to six hours to edit. So 
part of me is kind of like, and, and part of the reason why this is completely unedited is so I don't have to edit it. Um, but I want to throw this out there is the idea of Patreon. I hate to say it. I hate to bring it up because it's almost kind of a foregone conclusion. I would love to know if you guys would be open, willing to support a Patreon. If not, then I, I don't know. Maybe I'll just continue what I'm doing. But on the same note, like the support of the podcast, you know, and especially those episodes that I record in person, it costs money. You know, gas costs money. Airline tickets cost money. Hotels cost money. You know, all that stuff. So like, even though I have like the ability to support the podcast as a product on my website, like you can go under, I think it's under accessories. Um, that does exist for that reason, but, um, you know, all of this stuff takes so much time and it's kind of like, well, how am I budgeting my time as my business is growing? Do I focus most on just like email marketing and product and photography and really just work on everything that is directly combined and in conjunction with selling? Um, most business owners would probably recommend that that be the case. Whereas the podcast is entertainment first and foremost, first and foremost, um, it's education, I guess as well. Um, it's fun and hopefully it drives some business, right? So, I mean, that's in a community building exercise. Cause again, like we're kind of, I look at this as sort of us all being into this together. Um, but brass tacks, like if I'm not going to have advertising, doing this for free to, uh, on one hand is it, it doesn't make any sense. Like it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So hopefully either it'll drive more sales or a Patreon could be started. Anyway, I'm just throwing it out there to see what you guys think. Uh, five bucks a month or you know, and you, of course you would get like additional content, maybe this content that I'm producing now, maybe this is part of that additional content. I don't know. I'm just, I'm open to ideas and trying to, you know, kick the tires on a couple different things and how to evolve this business because I am still a one man band because again, affordability to do all these things. I don't have the budget to hire anybody. And could I get, you know, a volunteer or like an intern or something somebody with that malleable of a schedule that who's also dependable is going to be very difficult for me to find. I have a feeling. Um, so anyway, I'm just throwing it out there. would love to hear your comments. Please comment below once I post this to, to the feed as well as um, shoot me any emails ever for that matter. And especially um, connected with this topic info at standard h.com best email. Um, so yeah, that's all I really wanted to say about that. But, um, as far as New York city is concerned, I went entirely based on this event from Saturday from rally point East. It is a car club, um, out in West Hampton beach on long Island near the Hamptons and, um, great event. Honestly, it was only three hours. It was it was from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. So we got there about 8, set up. Big shout out to my buddy Andy Russo for picking me up, driving me. It was incredible. We had great conversation. 
we listened to some music, like we talked comedy, like it was, we just had a blast that day, but I set up the booth, sold a bunch of stuff in three hours, which was awesome. Met some incredible people. Um, and then went back into the city and connected with our buddy Dan from the armory and just had a night for the ages. And obviously my voice is still like borderline lost from the weekend. It was incredible. Um, checked out some great restaurants. Uh, I'll put those on the, that's the other thing I wanted to promote sort of the travel section of the website in this episode of, of this pit stop, because I've been going on, you know, and updating over the last few years, places I've gone, places I've enjoyed, places I love to see um, as like a, a travel recommendation type of page. So it's under domestic as well as international. Clearly domestic has far much more content, but um, yeah. So another just ancillary attribute of standard H that may serve as a benefit to you as a traveler, maybe not, Who who knows? Oh, well cost you nothing. Um, so that's great. Um, and I love sharing that stuff. Um, I really wanted that sort of outlet because I do get a lot of people who reach out to me, friends mostly obviously, and and ask for recommendations. And I'm like, well, I might as well catalog this somehow. And rather rather than it just being a, a page in my notes app on my phone, I figured why not make it like public domain because you know, why not? Um, and also, dare I say, some, you know, added benefit to being a standard age supporter. So, um, yeah, so New York City was incredible. Got to see a bunch of friends. Um, as always, not nearly enough time, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm always running short on time when I'm there. Can never see everybody I want to, but I, I do my best. I try my best, and, you know, it's, it's always a blast, but... I guess the benefit of not doing everything all the time is it leaves me, you know, feeling like I want more and I just can't wait to get back. I just, I love that city so much. And I always come home so much more invigorated and energized. Um, it's funny. Like when I come home from New York, I always come home with a bigger drive to work harder. And that sort of piggybacks on my comment before about LA and Palm Springs and the, and the like, when I come home from those places, I'm kind of motivated to create more, if that makes sense. There's almost like a creative motivation from LA and there's a work harder, like focus on the business kind of motivation when I go to New York. And I'm not sure I have real, a real reason as to why, but needless to say, um, great to visit both because both are very important. Um, and I always just feel energized and I guess because my friends also in LA are just so awesome and my friends in New York are so awesome. And it's just, it's just great to be surrounded by people that, um, are so supportive, right? Like if, if you don't have supportive friends, then I, I feel so bad. But like, if, if you're around people that aren't building you up, just, just kick them to the curb. Cause as I'm getting older, my friend group is shrinking and it, and it feels amazing. <laughs> Uh, but it's also growing because of this business. So it's, it's kind of this like weird dichotomy of, you know, the people who are supportive and, um, how that's growing. I don't know. I feel like I'm totally rambling at this moment. So, um, David just joined David. Thank you so much for the tour of the Met yesterday. 
unbelievable experience. Um, and also big shout out to my dear friend, Jessica, who is like a sister to me. It was so great to see her this weekend. Um, it was awesome. Like it was such an incredible trip. And like I said, never long enough. So, um, yeah. So, all right. To break away from that, the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about is just kind of the cost of doing business and, you know, to give some people, you know, a, a glimpse or a peek behind the curtain, as I often say. And one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately um, is, is how other businesses are growing. They're either cutting costs or, you know, trying to be... Um, uh, just more profitable, always chasing margin and things like that. And like, for me, when I started standard H, I always wanted to, um, start a business that wasn't motivated by making money it, like solely. Um, obviously money is extremely important. It's the only way it can stay afloat, but like my motivation isn't to make more and more money per se. Um, it's, it's really to create more and more quality products. And I'm finding that making quality is, is very expensive, right? Like, I mean, that's nothing shocking. That's nothing new. It's no surprise. However, if you're like me, it, when you create something and you've, kind of put your stamp on it. I'm the type of personality where like all I see are the mistakes and all I see are like the things that can be improved. And that's not coming from a place of pessimism. It's coming from a place of motivation. Like it's coming from a place of um, just always seeking better. Like there's an expression that I try to live by that's always be happy, but never be satisfied. And what that really means to me is I'm never, I'm, I'm always like feeling like I'm positive at big picture, but like little tiny details that are wrong or this stitching's a little off or that color faded or, you know, don't get me started on my home renovation because it's like, it's, that's a whole different animal altogether. Um, but yeah, or like this fabric's not holding up or this or that. So like the R and D and everything behind all of these products is so expensive and I kind of wanted to be a little cagey about the next little bit that I wanted to talk about just for kind of privacy reasons, but like not for my privacy, but for theirs. But the topic of cost of doing business when it comes to like exchanges versus returns or both, it is, um, I think it might shock most of you as consumers. Now, if you own businesses and you produce a product that you sell and that isn't necessarily like a consumable, like a food or something. Um, exchanges are, let me, let me put it to you in this, these terms. Let's say, let's say I, I, I sell you a, um, a Targa Florio jacket. They're five fifty. Um, I don't have a calculator with me, but for the sake of the conversation, bear with me on the specific numbers of everything I'm about to say, but $550 jacket, maybe you could whip out a, a calculator and follow along with me, but I sell you the jacket. Well, obviously the jacket costs me money to make, right? So then the only money I'm making is margin. So 
on top of that, I get hit with, or not I, it's we, anybody. There's usually a 3% charge for, and oh, by the way, let me caveat this and preface this with, this is not me complaining at all. Like I'm not complaining. This is me sharing with many people who may be unaware of like the cost of doing business, right? And and I mean doing business, not making products. I mean, 3% charge, right? Then shipping label, like actually the label itself, the paper it gets printed on, um, the shipping cost, the price of the box, the wrapping paper, the sticker, the cards that I pay for, do the handwritten notes. Now, granted, some people, they're like, well, I don't need a note. I don't care. Like, just send me my jacket and let's like call it a day. Well, the 3% plus the box plus the shipping and all the materials go to you. Let's say the jacket doesn't work out for you. And you're like, well, Wesley, I would really like to return this jacket. You know, absolutely. Let's return it. First of all, I don't want you to not wear something. Second of all, I don't want you to, um, you know, not enjoy the product in general, right? Or if the size isn't right or the fit isn't right, it's fine. Like, because if you don't feel comfortable wearing what you've bought, then you're never going to wear it. It's never going to be in the world. No one's going to see it. No one's going to ask for it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So let's say you, you exchange it or you return it in general. So then you send it back. Um, then it's another box. If it's an exchange, then it's another box, another paper, another shipping, you know, all this other stuff. So it all like cuts into that margin. Um, if it's a return, guess what? I get hit with another 3% charge to then return your funds in addition to, uh, all the other stuff, right? So, I've now paid 6% plus shipping plus packaging. And I, and again, this isn't me complaining. This isn't me. Um, like I'm, I'm just trying to explain that like as a brick and mortar too, I don't have a brick and mortar. So as a brick and mortar, you would have higher, you know, overhead and what have you. I don't have that overhead. However, it, it is essential that like I, I don't get stuck in these like um, situations where it's everything's being exchanged. Everybody's, you know, returning things and stuff like that. Like those, a business will never succeed that way. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I do my best also to write on the product pages, how things fit. Um, I do my best to explain the return policy, which I've now updated, which is another reason why I've kind of brought this up. And I haven't even gotten to my friend who have, will remain nameless. Um, and so it's just very, um, it's very hard to communicate and allow other people to understand why it's so difficult to run a business without sounding like you're bitching and complaining. And it it's just for the information part of it. And those 3% charges or 6% if it's a return, um, like in the sake of, like in the sake of the, uh, or for the sake of, of the Targa Florio jacket, I mean, what is, I mean, it could cost, you know, 40, 50, $60 f for me to send that to you 
to then return it. And it just like, I, I might as well just pay you $50 not to order it, then cost me $65. And then I got to repackage it. And you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's like, it's crazy. Like this stuff adds up, especially for these higher value items. And as somebody who's like trying to pursue more and more quality products that are more and more expensive to make, and I'm doing limited quantities as a small business because I can't afford to do large quantity. It is, it's absolutely like a chicken or the egg situation. And, um, so it's really, uh, it's really tough. So in the case of my friend, um, he sold a very expensive item. I'll leave it at that as a pre-order. Well, with a pre-order, most businesses, including his, have a no returns policy in place. Well, the customer wanted to cancel their order. And as a result, it cost my friend $1,000 in credit card processing fees because the item was so expensive. So I don't know about you guys, but like, (laughs) I mean, a $1,000 processing fee. Now, granted, you're like, yeah, but he's probably making money on all this other stuff. Yeah, but like these are limited items. These are pre-ordered things. And if everything's a pre-order, that's because they're producing only what they want to produce to satisfy that demand, obviously, so that they're not stuck with these crazy, crazy overheads. And most small businesses operate on a very lean margin, standard H included, Um, big picture, Um, you know, with standard H products, the, the margins literally depend on the product. You, I mean, the fact that like adding a pocket and long sleeves is, is from a percentage perspective, higher than you might actually think as far as a short sleeve t-shirt with no pocket versus a long sleeve t-shirt with a pocket. Oh, well, how much should fabric cost? Well, it's not just that it's the labor, right? And the fact that all this stuff's being made in LA, um, which is important to me. Um, maybe it's not to you guys. If it's not, by all means, let me know and I'll go to China and start making this stuff. But I worry that, you know, it's just not going to be the same. Um, but when you're selling quality stuff at what I think is a fair price, um, honestly, like my hoodies, I would say are, are better than many of the hoodies out there costing sometimes four times what I'm charging for my hoodie. Like some of these other brands selling hoodies that are the same quality, three, four X my retail price. And the reason I don't sell them for those prices is because I feel like an asshole. Like I've, I don't want to rake people over the coals. I'm a bang for your buck guy. And if I can sell you something and leave you with the feeling of, holy shit, I would have paid double for this. Like that's, that's going to make my day because what's more complimentary than that? Like, this is so great. I would have paid double. A lot of people would look at me and be like, well, Wesley, why don't you? And I'm like, well, because I don't feel right for doing that. Like I can charge you what I'm charging you. I don't have to charge you double. You know what I mean? So like, it's one of those things where I just think everybody can win. You can win as a consumer, you can get value for your money. 
I can win as a business provided it's sold at retail and, you know, hopefully won't be exchanged too often or returned ever. Um, things of that nature. Now, granted, you know, it's a percentages game and I get that, but, um, yeah, I just want to kind of summarize that by like, and I guess I sort of left it out. I sort of skimmed over it, but like, as far as the product pages go, a lot. So I, I have very few returns. I have very few exchanges. I will say that, which I'm very fortunate. But the times when people do return and or exchange, usually it's because I don't. Sometimes there's a mistake. Like some guys, like literally, there's there's a customer who will remain nameless who recently ordered a size small and he wears a large. Totally by accident, only because the drop-down menu defaults to small, and I guess he was trigger-happy and, and excited to, to order the product, which I'm grateful for. Um, barring that situation, please, 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 and this doesn't just go for Standard H, it's for everything you order online, please read the product pages because you not reading costs us big money. And it's, it's, it's just a, a beg and a plea at this point. You know, just, just read the product pages. They take time to create as well and all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, really, again, this isn't me complaining. I've actually shared this with a few of my customers over email, as a matter of fact, as sort of a peek behind the curtain. So they understand that any version of this profitability and business sustainability, um, is certainly in question if this keeps happening over and over and over as far as like returns and exchanges go. Luckily, like I said, my percentages are fairly low, but um, a lot of people aren't aware of these 3% fees times two if I'm doing a return. Um, if it's an exchange, you got two boxes, two wrapping papers, two, all that stuff. It all costs money. So again, I just want to end that part by offering this as insight as opposed to, you know, a complaint. Um, thank you, obviously, for that. Um, I'm going to wrap this up a little bit. I think um, kind of feeling like I'm rambling a lot, but um, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, I recently watched a video of Van Neistat who, where, where he talks about success and how it's a journey throughout time where 1% is inspiration, 49% is perspiration, and 50% is luck. This isn't just one moment in time. The breakdown of these percentages is for literally each step along the way in the process. So the struggle is a part of that process, and so is luck. And I couldn't agree more. Um, this is... Uh, I don't know if you guys know who Van Neistat is. He's, he's Casey Neistat's brother. Um, but I just love that. Um, and I, here, I'll repeat it. 1% of the journey is inspiration. 49% is perspiration. And 50% is luck. But that's not for the whole thing. That it, It's for the, the struggle is a part of a process. And it's a part of everything. And so is luck. So I could get lucky finding my manufacturer, which, oh, by the way, I think I got very lucky because I think I've said before, a lot of my, everything I've made so far works with much bigger brands. 
and the fact that they are working with little old me standard H, like I'm grateful for it. Like I can't, I literally couldn't be doing this without them. And the fact that they gave me the time of day and took a punt on, on my stuff. Like I just, man, I like, I'm so, so thankful. So I definitely feel lucky. Obviously I feel lucky for anybody shopping. I feel lucky. I mean, this is why I do handwritten thank you notes. Like I'm up late at night sometimes doing this stuff because the appreciation is beyond real. Like it's, I cannot do this stuff without you guys. So not to sound cheesy, but I just, I can't thank you enough. Um, this is, again, I've said it before. I have been dreaming of doing this since high school and it took me a long time to get the courage to do it. Um, I hired a career counselor at 29 years old and basically he was like, what are you waiting for? And he was right. But guess what? It took six years before I did it at 35 years old. And, you know, I've had friends who've had children and they've made the similar statement that I will make now with starting a business. And it's basically the only regret I have is not starting sooner. And I don't know who has kids out there, but maybe you'd agree, but I don't have kids yet. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's my number one regret. Like why I didn't start at 29 is beyond me. It's just, I was chicken, you know, like it, if, I don't know if you guys know the Peter Thiel book, zero to one, I would highly suggest reading that. Um, but like most businesses, it's kind of repetitive, I think. Um, but yeah, zero to one takes forever. It took me oh, 20 years, almost technically, um, between like idea and, and desire to implementation, which is astronomically a long, uh, timeline, but Hey, I'm here. And, um, it's, it's only been getting better really. Um, I recently traveled home also to see my parents launch the Gulf blue. Like I said, um, they began to sell. That was great. The sales so far haven't, um, you know, made me a gazillionaire, but they've, uh, <laughs> they've, they've been doing really well. So thanks for the support. The other feedback I got at wind up about the Gulf blue, the reason I bring this up, cause I failed to mention it earlier was the Gulf blue are, it's a really difficult color to capture in photos. So the, the color in person is actually paler. It looks way saturated in the photos I've found. Um, and that's been a feedback I've gotten a lot. So anybody who's seen the Gulf Blue in person, almost knee-jerk reaction is, oh my God, this color looks so much better in person than in the photos, <laughs> which they're like, you know, I love the photography, like the, photo you know, the photos are fun, but, you know, um, the colors are better in person. That's all I wanted to say. Um, what else? What else did I want to talk about today? Um... I think that's it. I think that's it. If you like this format, please let me know if you want me to stop doing these. I have been rambling for 40 minutes. This is insane. Um, yeah, this lasted way longer than I anticipated. So I'm going to post this probably later today up on the, on the podcast list and, and that sort of thing. Um, this will live somewhere in my feed. You'll see it. Um, again, 
thank you. I hope some of this is insightful. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you guys are just like, God, dude, stop talking. Um, thank you for the time and have a great week. I've got some really great podcast episodes coming up uh, that I'm excited about. So stay tuned. And yeah, like I said, hit me up with anything. Comment section here and or um, email me info at standard h.com. Also, would love for you to share the brand with any friends. You know, I'm a big fan of, you know, or the, the uh, subscription of Birds of a Feather. A lot of us, we're all in the same boat, you know, with the same interests. Um, and so if you've got some friends who've never heard of Standard H, you know, I'd greatly appreciate you guys, you know, just sharing the brand with them. Even just send them the URL or the Instagram or anything like that. Because, um, again, growing this business means the world to me. And the more I can grow it, the more I can make. And there's I have ideas coming out of my ears as far as product goes uh, that I would love, love, love to get to. Um, it seems like outerwear is pretty popular aside from the t-shirts. I love jackets. I love outerwear. So perhaps that's why it's doing well. Cause it's really, really coming from an honest place of passion, if nothing else. And so, um, I'm super stoked that you guys have not only enjoyed the Targa Florio jackets, but also the, the Willie's shirt jacket, which has again, in person, even better. Um, that's all I can say. All right, I'm going to shut up. Thank you, guys. Um, stay tuned. Please share it. Please like. Please comment. Please, you know, hit me with anything you got, especially questions. More than happy to, to answer any questions. Um, thanks for the time. Have a good one.